This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. by the Saints for a touchdown! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Hey, y'all. Who dat? And welcome in. I am Jeff Nowak, and this is Inside Black and Gold. We are coming at you with a special 53-man roster edition of the podcast. I say we. It's just me, solo. Steve Geller's getting the night off. Actually, he just hosted a show on WWL radio. So we're giving him a pass on this one, but I did want to come on here and break down the roster and kind of some quick takeaways on what we saw. It was a busy day. There was some surprises, not a ton of surprises, but some notable surprises. So we're going to get into that in the second half of the program. We're going to do a mailbag. So if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, Make sure to get your comments or questions in the feed and we'll corral them all and get to as many as possible in the second half of this program. But first things first, let's hear from the myth, the man himself. It's Blake Groupie. Yeah, I mean, every single day I know I had to bring it. Um, the guy's been here and he's done it. Um, so to see a guy that's done it like that, you uh, you know, you, you pick up on things. You know, you know that you every single day you have to go out and do it because you know dang well that he is. Um, and so you know, it's 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 a guy that's done it, and you know, I couldn't ask for a better competition and a better guy to do it against. That was Blake Groupie. No, he is not a 17 year old. He is the Saints' new place kicker. And, you know, good for him. We watched him throughout camp, and I feel like I don't think he could have done better, right? Like, you you, you look at a guy and you say, okay, how can he take advantage of his opportunities? He did that. I mean, he barely missed any kicks. The only kick he missed in the preseason games was a 60-yarder, which, you know, I've seen Lutz hit a 60-yarder once. But any time you're getting that chance in a game – Will Lutz's first career game, he got a chance at a 60-plus yarder against the Raiders, and he missed, and the Saints didn't hold it against him. So they didn't hold it against Groupie either. And if you listen to this podcast, you've heard me say this over the last few weeks. The trade that made the most sense to me was Will Lutz 
to the Broncos where he could rejoin Sean Payton. Sean gets a guy that he knows and the Saints stick with Blake Groupie. And the real question was, how confident are you really in Blake Groupie? Because if you are, then you can put your money where your mouth is and just keep the young guy. And that's what happened. They sent The Saints sent Will Lutz to the Broncos for his seventh round pick. And, you know, you're going to we're going to see what we get now. That wasn't the only specialist move of the day, because you also had the Aussie himself, Lou Headley, all 6'2", 220 pounds of him. I think he might be 6'4", actually. 30 years old, beats out Blake Gillikin. He's a 30-year-old rookie. The irony being Blake Gillikin's only 25. Blake Gillikin is significantly younger than the unproven rookie punter that you're keeping around. And, you know, this one surprised me, even though I was probably on the early side of saying, no, this is a real punter battle. We have to see what happens. But I hadn't seen anything significant to give Headley the edge there other than, you know, the the money makes sense. Um, And, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I don't think that Blake Gillikin was ever really endeared to this coaching staff. And when you look at some of these moves, I think one of the things that stands out is this is Dennis Allen's team now, and he is making sure that he's able to put his stamp on this team and own it, right? If he goes down in flames, he's going to go down in flames with his staff, with the players that he likes, right, with, with his decisions. And last year, I don't think you ever got that. Last year, I think what you ended up seeing way too much of was the Saints trying to extend the Sean Payton era rather than allow Dennis Allen to create something that he fit, that he felt comfortable in, and go from there. Does it work? Now, that's another question entirely. But you have to appreciate the process a lot more than, you know, if if his if Dennis Allen's tenure was just to be a Sean Payton also ran for two years, hard to respect that. At least this one, if you go down in flames with the quarterback you want, with your defensive coordinator, with the, the specialists you cho- you chose, right? With the draft picks that you that you engineered, then at least you can say you gave it you gave it the, the try it deserved, right? So, and I think that's kind of where you're at because I have seen a more confident Dennis Allen this offseason. and uh, here he is talking about the decisions on both specialists. Uh, tough, real tough. Um... You know, well, that's been a good kicker for us for for a while now, and so that was obviously a you know a tough decision. Um, and uh, look, we we felt like we had a chance to get value for a player, and we felt like we had another guy in the building that we had confidence in. So uh, those are always challenging situations. With with both of the undrafted rookie kicker and punter, was it just that you know they exceeded expectations and, and like almost made it sort of an undrafted? Well, look, I, I don't know if it was undeniable. I mean, I, I, you know, it's a, it's a tough situation to be in, but yet it's a good situation because we felt like, you know, of those four, we had four guys that are, are NFL caliber players. And so, um, you know, we decided to, to go with the young guys. Does being younger, cost-effective, longer contracts, does that? Look, there's a lot of things that go into, uh, you know, roster decisions. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we basically took everything to, into account when we made these decisions. 
What about Blake's makeup makes you feel like he's the guy? Um, well, I, I don't know if it's necessarily about the makeup. Um, you know, certainly I think he's a confident young man, but um, I think it's really just about the fact that he's he's gone out and performed and performed well. Um, and so, um, and look, everybody, every player at some point has been his first opportunity, you know, and, and so uh, I don't think we're unique in that situation. But yeah, so one of the things that stood out to me there was, you know, <laughs> I think the factor in this that no one's talking about is was Sean Payton only willing to trade for Will Lutz? And I, to me, I think that might be what, what you're, you know, if there's a tiebreaker here and you can get a seventh round pick for a guy and you can just cut the other guy, then, you know, I think it does make sense to get something rather than nothing. And I, I have a feeling that that was a factor. I don't think it was the only factor. I think Blake did kick well enough to win that job. I think Will kicked well enough to win that job. But I also think when we talked to Will after Sunday's game, I mean, you could tell just by his mannerisms, he he just seemed, I don't know, deflated. Like, it felt like he knew at that point that he was not going to be the kicker here. So either way, it's we're, you're setting up a situation where, you know, put up or shut up. You know, these guys are going to get their chance. Don't blow it, right? And if... You end up in a situation where, you know, think two years ago when you didn't have Will and you were cutting kickers left and right. You could not find a kicker to save your life. You couldn't make a point after to save your life. You end up there again because you cut Will, because you cut a guy who was reasonably consistent, although he was struggling last year. Man, this move is going to get scrutinized to no end. The punter, I think you can – it's really tough to gauge the differences between a really good punter and a really average punter. And so – even if Lou doesn't go to the expectations you probably have for him, you can live with it. Um, but the Blake Groupie, yeah, I mean, he's got another BG on the roster, and uh, he's going to have to show up. Now, let's change gears here and go to the other position on this roster where there was kind of a bombshell move, and that's defensive back. Now, I've put out a handful of these roster projections, and I feel like I nailed the, de- the defensive back room pretty well. The only player that I did not have correct was Bradley Roby, which no one had correct because no one saw this coming this morning when the Saints just cut Bradley Roby. They were not able to get an asset for him. I'm guessing it was because of the contract he was on. Why would you pay somebody on a kind of a weird contract when you know you can sign him for the vet minimum anyway? And he's going to be there if he wants to be there, right? You're trading for a guy you don't know what his demeanor is going to be when he shows up. It's a, it's harder than it sounds to pull off that kind of trade. You only see you know a dozen of them every year where it's like, okay, I'd rather have something than nothing. Um, and it just didn't work out. And so they cut Bradley Roby. And so to me, that means a couple things. One, it means that your boy, Elante Taylor, is going to be the guy in the slot. He's going to have to be. And... You know, I, I didn't expect that. I expected them to go with Roby, but you know, I, I think that there is this there's this point to you have to get to where Alante's gotta play. He's too good to not play. How can you get him on the field? That's how. And were you gonna bench Bradley Roby to get him on the field? I don't think that would work either. So you go move on from Bradley and you keep, which I think this is the other factor, and a guy I've talked about a good bit. You keep Isaac Yadam on the roster, a guy who is going to contribute big time on special teams and has played very well 
in the defense right throughout the preseason. He has had at least one interception. He had an interception against the Chargers. He's made a couple good plays. Like he's a guy who fits. Whereas if you have to put somebody on the bench and not give them regular snaps, Bradley Roby doesn't fit. So I think that's where you're at. Now, would you have liked to see this done sooner? Yes, I would have. I would have much rather seen. That's why it kind of doesn't make a ton of sense because if you were going to do this, then you would have wanted to be getting Alante Taylor first team reps or Ugo Amadi first team reps. Another guy who I think is going to factor in the slot. You didn't. And now you have to kind of just go with it because I don't think Alante has looked that good in the slot. That said, we talked to him today and he said one of the things that's helpful about this now is he's able to just drop the competition, which he already told us previously he wasn't too locked in on in terms of he was just working on getting better. He wasn't going to spend too much time in too much mind space on, oh, what is this competition? How am I stacking up with the competition? The competition was the competition. But now he's able to just focus entirely on the slot. And I think you put him anywhere on the field, he will be good there eventually. He's got to learn. And that's the only gripe I have about this is if you were going to move on from Bradley, you should have done it way earlier. Um, the rest of the DB room, I'm in love with. I have no issues with any other decision. I'll, the, like I said, the other nine guys, other than Isaac Yadam, I had on here in my projection, obviously, Marshawn, Paulson, Alante, and then Ugo Amadi and Lonnie Johnson. I have had them on the roster since day one. Both have been very good in what they've been asked to do. Ugo, I think he might be your backup returner. I talked to him about it today, and uh, he said something along the lines of, I'm sitting on G waiting for the O. I, I don't know. It was it was weird. But, um, you know, he's a guy who has returned before. He's been doing it for a while, and I expect if you do need someone in that role, he might be the first one off the bench to feel the punt. Um, Jordan Howden I talked to today as well, and, you know, he's dedicated to special teams, and he showed up on special teams in the preseason finale. And I think, you know, if you were had any questions about what his role was going to be, there you go. You know, the the next question is going to be, if Marcus May gets suspended, who is that safety that steps in? He's Jordan's learned both spots. I think it would probably be Jordan alongside Tyron. And, you know, he's going to take his lumps as a rookie in that position if he has to be in it. But, you know, I don't, I don't see an alternative unless it's JT Gray, which, you know, he's going to take his lumps too. Uh, as much as I love JT Gray for what he is, he is not the guy you want starting at safety. Now, going down the line, you know, Anthony Johnson is a guy I expect to see on special teams. I'm bummed he couldn't make it onto the roster, but it's a deep roster. You had to cut Bradley Roby. That's how deep it is. Smoke Monday, eh, Jonathan Abram, Troy Pride Jr., Adrian Fry. You know, these are all guys that I don't think had a ton of upside in terms of making this roster. None of them really showed um, what you needed them to show to, to carve out a spot. Smoke, as much as I like Smoke, he didn't show up enough. I expect him to be on the practice squad. It's important to remember he's basically a rookie. So, you know, they don't want to overreact to guys getting cut. I talked to DA about this today. It's like when you're looking at a lot of these UDFAs, and obviously the specialists, the two specialists made it, no other rookie UDFAs made the roster. There's a lot of them. There were a lot of them out there. Anthony Orgy is a guy that I felt pretty good about. I had him on a couple of my projections, but I dropped him late. Um, we can go into linebacker here in a second. And, you know, one of the things you'll see is, okay, that first year is kind of a developmental year. You're figuring out where you are and you're figuring out who has upside. And then that year two is where you have a chance to make the roster. You saw a guy, Nephi Sewell, make the roster. You saw Kirk Merritt make the roster as a running back. And so for a guy like... 
Anthony Orji, for a guy like Shaq Davis, you're going to be kept around, I imagine. And you just have to continue to develop. And so, like, you say, like, wow, why'd they cut him? Well, it's it's all part of the process. Um, you see, the, I have the linebackers up here. Now you only kept five. And to me, that is an indicator, because I think you want six, that you're going to stash somebody on IR and probably bring back a Jalen Smith. I was surprised they didn't keep Ryan Connolly on the roster to do that with him. He's dealing with a knee injury. You know, you kind of go from there. But a guy like Landon Young, maybe a Traquan Smith, although I don't think his injury is that significant. Um, and then a Kirk Merritt, maybe. But again, I don't think his injury is significant enough to merit just saying, okay, I didn't, that was an accident. Uh, to merit a month that, you, that you're dedicated to not having them on the roster. But we'll see. Either way, I do feel slightly vindicated here because I was trying to tell people that Jalen Smith was not a lock to make this roster and no one would believe me. No one would listen to me. It's the same way I told everyone early on that Paul Sandibo was going to win the outside cornerback battle and no one would believe me. No one would listen to me. And, and here we are. Anyway, I digress. You know, we can we can go through the defensive line. I don't think we even have to talk about it. It's exactly who you would have expected it to be. Nico Lalos uh, is probably going to be on the practice squad. And, you know, maybe you can get him onto the roster if there are injuries later in the year. But otherwise, I feel really good about that position. This one surprised me. Offensive line, you did keep nine. One of them is Max Garcia. I expected the Saints to try to stash that center on the practice squad, just like Josh Andrews last year. They used the roster spot on it. I don't hate it because I don't love the idea of forcing Cesar Ruiz to be your backup center, which would be the case if you did not have one on the active roster. So I'm okay with that. What I will say is right now, you do not have a backup right tackle on the roster. And so, like I said with Jalen Smith, Storm Norton or TBA, right, to be determined, uh, or player TBD (laughs) is that guy. And he might be getting cut from another roster. I don't know. But you're going to have to sign somebody as a right tackle. And I think you're going to move Landon Young to IR and bring in somebody. Now, it might be Storm. It might be somebody else. Storm Norton has been getting the right tackle reps at the backup spot, so that's why I'd lean towards him. But you know, it, it's it could be it could be a number of people. Tight end, you know, Lucas Krull is probably the only player that I look at and say, yeah, he has a very good chance of being snatched up on waivers. And you know, it's not even about him developing beyond anything that we knew about already. It's just the fact that. The Saints were in, in prime time the other night. They're on national television, and he had a seven-catch, 106-yard game. Anyone watching that game who was unaware of Lucas Krull is now aware of Lucas Krull. You know, I, I still think it's not not necessarily a high percentage that he gets claimed on waivers because waiver claims are actually a lot more rare in these instances than you'd think. You know, you, you think how difficult it is for the Saints to cut down to 53. Every team in the NFL is doing the same thing. They're all cutting down to 53. So, like, one of the reasons I don't expect a ton of waiver claims for the Saints is, okay, who else are you cutting? You already cut 37 guys. That was hard enough. You're going to cut more to to take someone else, to take a player from someone else's roster that was not good enough to make it there. You know, that's, that's where I think people overestimate the likelihood of these waiver claims. But, you know, one guy that I think caught everyone by surprise, and I think the reason is, you know, he was hurt. And everyone kind of lost track of him. But Kirk Merritt, he made this roster. And good for him, right? This is a guy who has changed positions, has worked incredibly hard, dealt with a hamstring injury in camp. He got another injury against the Chargers. But I think it's more precautionary. And why I say that is, you know, if he was fighting for the roster, if he was in doubt, probably would have come back and played hurt. 
I think what what happened is they felt good about it, and they were then they kind of gave him the indication that you know you're probably going to make it, and you don't have to do that. And uh, so just good for him. I mean, I don't know how long he's going to stay on the roster. I don't know uh, what his role is going to be. But when you're a UDFA and you can make it onto the roster in year two, look at Jawan Johnson. You know that's where you get your chance. And uh, I know Dennis Allen is a, is just a a guy who loves positional versatility. And that that makes a lot of sense to me, you know, and and like you can go through all of the roster projections. You can go through mine. You can go through anyone who covers the Saints. I guarantee you they did not have Kirk Merritt on their final roster projection because, you know, he kind of just fell off the radar. Um, The last position I'll talk about here, wide receiver, you know, nothing hugely surprising. This is basically how I had it set up. I did. You know, I I was the guy who all throughout camp was like, Traquan's going to make it. Traquan's going to make it. And then, and then I got, you know, I, 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 I couldn't help myself. I saw the injury. He was out three weeks. I was like, maybe this is the, this is the final nail in the Traquan Smith coffin where you missed three weeks of camp and we can't justify keeping you on the roster. Can't do it. Well, I was wrong. They kept him on the roster. I don't know if they're going to stash him on IR I, I don't know what the plan is, but either way, Trey Quad Smith is eternal, it seems. You know, John Trey Kirkland, I thought for a second he might make this roster. He was one of the last cuts. I think he's going to be a special teams guy. I'm sorry, I think he's going to be a practice squad guy. Um, and he'll go from there. Lynn Bowden Jr. is another guy I think had a decent chance to make this roster, and an injury might have done him in a little bit. And then Shaq Davis, you know, I really like Shaq Davis. I think his team, his roster, really likes Shaq Davis. And they're going to get him on the practice squad and uh, go from there. And hopefully next year he can continue to develop. Or maybe later this year he can keep developing and do what Rashid Shaheed did last year. Like everyone talks about Rashid Shaheed. They don't, they never talk about the fact that he got cut out of camp, right? He ended up on the practice squad. Now they did a better job of hiding him uh, in those last couple of preseason games. But, you know, it's not that, that unusual of a route to see a guy get cut, thrown on the practice squad, and then come back. Um, Juwan Johnson. Right. Like he did the exact same thing. And you're and you're gonna go from there. But all in all, you know, with the with the specialists notwithstanding, I think you saw a pretty ho hum day of cuts. Um, Bradley Roby got things started early, and I'm fascinated to see where Bradley ends up. I think he is still a high quality corner in the NFL, and some team's gonna end up with him and some team's gonna start him. <laughs> uh, and the Saints are gonna have to, you know, if that's a move that, you know, while I can understand the logic behind it, if you end up in a situation like last year where you are without Marshawn Lattimore for a few games, you're without Paul Nadebo for a few games, and you end up starting guys who have no business starting, like you had to start Chris Harris last year, uh, <clears throat> you're going you're gonna to be ruining that, that cut. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Bradley, Bradley will also uh, – Bradley will gladly – um, revel in that just like CJ did last year um, but alright let's wrap up that segment we're going to come back and we're going to go into the mailbag we're going to answer some viewer questions on the 53 man roster this is Inside Black and Gold I'm Jeff Nowak you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak follow the show at Saints underscore pod make sure you have subscribed wherever you get your podcasts if you're listening on Apple Podcasts make sure to leave a rating and a review or wherever you get your podcasts if they allow ratings do that we appreciate it feedback's always helpful and uh without further ado let's hit the break and dive into that mail 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I am Jeff Nowak. If you're watching on YouTube and I'm kind of scrolling through this article over to my right, you can find it on WWL.com. I went through each position of the 53-man roster that was decided today and broke down, you know, what my thoughts on each one, just like I did the roster projections. Previously, this is just about the actual roster rather than my guesses as to what the roster will be. So I'll leave that up there and we'll go through it. But let's hit the mailbag on Inside Black and Gold. And the first things first, we got Randall. Randall's not a big fan of Dennis Allen, and he never has been. I don't think he ever will be. Uh, But I think he makes a good point. He says, let's not act like Dennis Allen cutting a proven kicker for a kid that's never kicked in the NFL and then trading him to Sean Payton was a genius move. He also says, what happens when the rookie can't kick it between the uprights? And I I agree. You know, it everything's a genius move when it works out. Right? But what happens if Blake can't get it done? Right? What happens if Everything was a mirage and you get there and it's like he just he's like a deer in the headlights. You know, we saw him make kicks in the preseason, but the regular season is a different animal. When you're on the road and 70,000 people are screaming at you and you're trying to make a 55 yarder to win a game. That is a completely different animal. And it's one that I know Lutz could handle. He had his he had his warts. He missed some makeable kicks, but I always trusted him. In those clutch moments, even even that kick in, in London, I, you know, for the life of me, thought it was going in. I think everyone thought it was going in. It double doinked out from 61 yards. He was clean from 60. If you kicked another one from 60, it would have been good again. And that's what I'm worried about. And if it doesn't happen, if you end up in situations where the kicking game costs you games, oof, these moves are going to be are going to be tough. They're going to be tough. But we'll, 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 we can only all we can do is wait and see. The die has been cast. And all you can do is root for the kid. And I'm rooting for the kid. He's a really cool story. He's fun. He's fun to talk to. He's really enjoyable. You know, he, he hopefully the security at the Superdome can remember who he is. So they stop harassing him uh, before well, while he's warming up in pregame. But uh, yeah. So Marco Hernandez says awesome shot of the New Orleans Saints pennant in the back. I like, we got a lot going on back there. You got the Dome Patrol. You got Drew Brees. That's from his uh, record setting game. You got the Michael Thomas uh, uh, Funko Pop. You know, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. You got a Pulitzer Prize. That's 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 mine. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Um, let's go down. You know, there there was one in here that I actually thought was a really good point that I didn't get to in the Roby conversation. Dan, Don C. Roby's contract was an issue. This frees up money for a veteran offensive lineman. Now, I, I agree with this, and I also think to an extent. That's why you you moved on from the veteran specialists. And I don't think you made the decision. Like, if you felt like Will Lutz was significantly better than Blake Groupie, if you felt like Blake Gillikin was significantly better than Lou Headley, 
you wouldn't be making that decision based on money, right? Like if you felt like it was a significant step back, then that money doesn't matter. What's more important is making the kicks. If you felt like they were even, right? If you felt like there was no real tangible difference and for one guy, you are paying this much and for one guy, you're paying this much and for that guy that you're paying, you can also ship him out and get a draft pick back. I think that makes the, the choice for you. And so between Bradley Roby, Blake Gillikin, and Will Lutz, you have saved a not insignificant amount of cash. I don't have the exact numbers on me. I don't want to get them wrong, so I'm not going to try to spew them out to you. But, you know, as you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, what veterans are out there that we might be able to entice, particularly on the offensive line, that's not nothing. And so I, I agree with you. I think one of the reasons you cut Bradley, one of the reasons you cut Blake, one of the reasons you cut Will was because you now have freed up additional cap space so you can go do something. Uh, and I think you you got to do something on the offensive line. I mean, you brought in Trey Turner. Like, they already had that idea that they were going to try to bulk up the offensive line depth, right? And it, it worked until it didn't. Yeah, you got Trey to come here, but you were not able to get Trey on the field because his quad blew up on him. Uh, so, you know, I think that's still... That is still in the equation. We've all seen that second string offensive line go to work, and it was not pretty in any of the preseason games. So what I will say is they didn't commit any penalties in the last game. So at least that's that. Bearded Dragon. Are you a real bearded dragon? The DB room isn't my concern. The OL is what I'm concerned about. Yeah, we, we just got into that. I, I agree. Alvin Johnson. They are really high on Lonnie Johnson Jr. He's 6'2". I'm really high on Lonnie Johnson Jr. I feel like I've been the captain of the Lonnie Johnson Jr. fan club because I'm the only one that's been talking about him all offseason. Everyone's kind of just ignored him, um, but I think it's because he's just been solid. Like, he hasn't made any mistakes. He's just been in the right place at the right time. But I will tell you, when I there was a point in camp that I just asked Dennis Allen, I was like, it seems like we're not really talking about him a lot, but, you know, is Lonnie Johnson Jr. a guy that, you know, you guys feel like can get the job done at both safety, cornerback, that versatility, and his eyes lit up. Like, he'd been waiting for someone to ask that question because I think that the coaching staff really likes Lonnie Johnson Jr. I think they really like Ugo Amati, and I think those guys were locked into roster spots. We can talk about the competition all we want. Those guys won those spots early and never gave them up. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think you're right. They, they were really high on Lonnie Johnson. I think so... We got we got a lot of people saying Traquan shouldn't have made the roster. I think those ones saying Kirkwood should have been kept over Smith. He was. Kirkwood did make the roster. You know, I, I think you had some depth there that you could have gone and kept a Shaq Davis. I'm kind of bummed that you didn't, but I understand it, especially if you end up putting Traquan on IR because that'll free up a roster spot. I think there's a chance that with Landon Young and Traquan going on IR, which I don't know if they will, but just go with me. Then you could add Jalen Smith and Storm Norin probably, or or right tackle to be to be named later. That's my that's my read on it. Um, but you, Keith Kirkwood did make this team, and that's good because I think he deserved to make this team. He also bearded dragon also says I think it's a good roster overall, and should definitely win the South. Uh, I agree with that. Scott Fontenot says playoff or bust for this team. I don't even I don't even bust is the right word. I think it's a playoff or you're you're all fired. I mean like you can't I you know it's tough to say but I just don't see a scenario where you go into this team and you kind of have gone all in with 
the quarterback, with the coaching staff, with everything, and you look around the NFC South and it's never been more winnable. And I know every team in the NFC South is saying that, but the Saints are the only team that feels like they are ready right now to win it and not doing that this year. If you can't win this year, when are you going to win? The only thing that might save this staff if they win nine games and maybe maybe Atlanta has this crazy good year and wins 10 games and wins the South. Maybe the only thing that would save the coaching staff probably is the fact that you paid Derek Carr and you wouldn't bring in a new coach with a 37-year-old quarterback, or sorry, a 34-year-old quarterback, however old he is, and then be like, well, figure it out. No, you, that that might save him if they if they are middling. And you can be like, well, maybe one more year, but yeah, no, you got it. You got to win with this team. Uh, if you if you fall flat with this team, then you know. And I'm a pump the brakes guy typically when it comes to fire everybody. No, no. If you if you win eight games or fewer with the setup you have with the easiest schedule in the NFL, just just wipe the slate clean because it's not working. At least on offense. A couple more here. Marco Hernandez says, "Are you surprised Pete made the roster?" I assume you're talking about Pete. It says pair, but I think you're talking about Pete. I'm shocked and disappointed at Pete making the roster. Mm, I, I disagree with that. I mean, the only, it, I think Pete makes the roster as long as Pete is willing to accept a backup role to James Hurst. If he wasn't, if he, if he, if he was a malcontent and it was going to be a problem, then yes, I would say you should cut Pete. But if he's willing to be a backup guard, I I, I mean, I have no issue with that. I think you are in much better shape with Pete than you would be with anyone off the street. I mean, <laughs> he is a starting caliber guard. He's not the greatest in the world, but he is a starting caliber guard. And that's about as good as you could hope for. For Like if you're signing someone to be a guard and back up James Hurst, I don't think you're going to find anyone better. You know, if you're going to go draft somebody, like I think Nick Saldaveri is a guy who I'd like to see develop. But no, I, I have no issue with him making the roster. Now, if you were just pigeonholing him in as the starter, I would have an issue with that because I think James Hurst has been more consistent. He's available and he's worked with Trevor Penning. And so that's what I want to see. It's Don C again says Lonnie is long and covers lots of ground. I think he'll be a contributor given the chance. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Toshia Smith. Is there a chance we get Nico Lalos back? I'm not sure what that means. I, I don't, I'm not sure if you're asking whether they'll, they'll bring him back to the active roster or practice squad. I think that they will try to sign him to the practice squad. Um, yeah, I talked to his agent. He says he's a likely candidate for the practice squad. And so I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, you know, there's, there's, let me, I'm not sure if he's a vested veteran. Let me, let me look. Because the only question I have, and I haven't, I should have looked this up beforehand, is, oh no, he is not a vested veteran. So yeah, he has to go through waivers. So if another team claims him, then the Saints can't get him back. And so that's a question. And, you know, I talked about Lucas Kroll probably being the top candidate. Nico's probably the second highest candidate in terms of, you know, when you get three sacks in a single quarter of a game, people are going to take notice of that that might not have been paying attention. And if there's a team that had a bunch of injuries at defensive tackle and suddenly has roster spots and they don't feel comfortable with their room, yes, there's a chance. But I would guess that he doesn't. Because again, waiver claims are not as common as as, uh, as people seem to seem to think they are. Um, and uh, I, I think you're going to get him. Okay, Michael Douglas. This will be the last one we, and we can close on this. How about Jalen Smith? 
how about Jalen Smith? <laughs> I like Jalen Smith. Um, I think that he can do some very unique things as a big, strong, downhill linebacker. Now, I don't love him in coverage, and I think he is your Sam linebacker. Now, I think Zach Bond is also your Sam linebacker. So he becomes a little extraneous uh, if you're not going to get them both on the field. And so, you know, I think with a guy like that, and we talked about being a vested veteran, right? If you have four years of accrued time in the NFL, you don't have to go through the waiver process. So he is one of those players. Storm Norton is one of those players, right? So one of the reasons that you could potentially say, but, you know, even before they they say we're waving you, they say, hey, Jalen, come in here. Okay, don't go anywhere. We're going to cut you, but stick around because when we clear a roster spot, you're going to bring it back. Now, I don't know if that's uh, what's happening, but when we asked Dennis Allen about it today, he said uh, if there was a chance he comes back, he said there's definitely a chance. Uh, and so I think that's, the, that's most likely what ends up happening for Jalen. That said, you know, he is a guy that I think I don't, I, there's, I don't know how you get him on the field as often as you want to. Because you're not taking DeMario off the field. You're not taking Pete Warner off the field. So are you really keeping him around just to back up those guys? Or would it make more sense to put him on the practice squad? Will he accept a spot on the practice squad? He did with the Giants last year, and then they ended up beating him. They signed him for the active roster. He played in 13 games. So, you know, maybe that's what happens. Either way, I expect Jalen Smith to to be a factor, to be a piece in this defense at some point this season, whether that's week one I don't know, but I, I think that you'll bring Jalen Smith back. Oh, Randall, you're such a bummer. Okay, we have one more question. So who comes in for Michael Thomas if or when he goes down? That's a good question. You know, I feel like it's tough. I Probably Keith Kirkwood. Probably I think Keith would be the guy who's been working at the X primarily, and that's, that's what you're talking about when you say, okay, Mike Thomas went down. Okay, who was your X receiver? Because Chris Olave is your Z. Rasheed's been working more in the slot, so I imagine he will be that guy. Probably Kirkwood. Um, and then that that would, if if Mike did go down, right, and you had to put him on IR, then I think you probably would bring up a Shaq Davis. And you would try to start working in A.T. Perry. But, you know, that's, that's not a bridge that uh, I'm willing to walk across until it is built. So we will have that. But all right, I'm going to wrap this episode of Inside Black and Gold up right there. This was a special edition to break down the 53-man roster. We're there. We are a week and a half away from week one. I'm going to enjoy a few days off this weekend and just kind of get reset for the season, but I am pumped. You got the Titans in week one coming to the Superdome, and I am thrilled about it. Tajay Spears is going to make everyone mad. (laughs) <laughs> the Saints didn't draft them, uh, but we'll talk about that at a later time. Thanks, y'all, for listening. I'm Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow the latest Saints content. You can check out my 53-man roster breakdown over at WWL.com. Who dat? Go Saints. Be easy, y'all. Peace. Peace.